Turn with me to 1 John chapter 4 and verse 11. 1 John chapter 4 and verse 11. I've got a big wad of keys in my pocket right now. <clears throat> and some of them look alike. And what I found is a lot of times I'll come to the church and I'll pull out my house key. And I come to the house and I pull out my church key. But there's always a problem with that because there's only one key that fits, fits the lock, right? And so uh, the same thing is true, of course, of our way to heaven. There's only one key to that, and that's Jesus Christ. He's the only one who can open the door. Uh, but there's also a key to the Christian life. There's a key to preparing for heaven, and that key is the key of love. God's supernatural love. And living that out in our lives does some really great things for us as Christians. And this scripture we're going to look at today talks about uh, this supernatural love and how this supernatural love helps us as God's people. Uh, so uh, we need to love God and love others in the power of the Holy Spirit, and God will help us through His love. So um, the title of my message is Helped by Love, and look with me at 1 John 4 and verse 11. It says, Dear friends, if God loved us in this way, we also must love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God remains in us, and His love is made complete in us. This is how we know that we remain in Him and He in us. He has given us of His Spirit. And we have seen and we testify that the Father has sent His Son as the world's Savior. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God remains in him and he in God. And we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love. And the one who remains in love remains in God and God remains in him. And this love is made complete with us so that we may have confidence in the day of judgment. Because as he is, so also are we in this world. There is no fear in love. Instead, perfect love drives out fear because fear involves punishment. So the one who fears is not complete in love. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God and yet hates his brother or sister, he is a liar. For the person who does not love his brother or sister whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And we have this command from him, the one who loves God must also love his brother and sister. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. And everyone who loves the Father also loves the one born of him. This is how we know that we love God's children, when we love God and obey his commands. This is what the uh, love for God is. To keep his commands, and his commands are not a burden. Because everyone who has been born of God conquers the world. This is the victory that has overcome or conquered the world, our faith. So helped by love, how does love help us? Well, before I get into the specifics of that, let me just say this. He mentions in my translation, he remains in God and God remains in him. Uh, elsewhere, that's translated 
abide. Okay, and John has written in John, the Gospel of John, 15 has written a section of Scripture about abiding in Christ. The only way to have fruitfulness as a Christian, the only way to be effective in the Christian life, is to abide in Christ. And he says in John 15 that the fruit of that abiding in Christ is love for our brother. And so this same John wrote the book of 1 John, and so when he's talking about abiding, that's what he's remaining in him, remaining, he remaining in us. That's what he means. He's talking about this life of being filled with the Spirit of God who uh, helps us experience the presence of Christ within us. And so, helped by love, how are we helped? Well, first of all, it helps us abide in Christ. That God's supernatural love helps us abide in Christ. Look at verse 12. He says, if we love one another, God remains or abides in us, and his love is made complete in us. This is how we know we abide or remain in him. And he in us, he has given us of his spirit. Okay? So when you become a Christian, the Holy Spirit of God comes and indwells your heart and lives there forever, for all time. Now, you have a choice each day that you live, each moment that you live, of whether or not you are going to intentionally abide in Christ. One of the primary ways you abide in Christ is through obedience. But uh, it also, abiding in His Word, abiding in love, and so forth. But here, he says, we know we remain or abide in Him through our love. Now, I have a warning light on my car, and occasionally when the weather changes and so forth, the, the air will get low in my tires, and I've got this little light that comes on on the dashboard, and it looks like a little flat tire. And it tells me that I need to put air in my tire. I've also got an oil light. Hopefully that doesn't come on, because I've heard once that comes on, it's over anyway. But uh, anyway... Uh, the light is an indicator to tell you that something's awry in, in your car and you need to deal with it. Well, the absence of love in a Christian's life is like that red light on your dashboard. When that pops on, there's something you need to take care of. Uh, because to, to live in God's supernatural love is the indicator that you're abiding in Christ. Um. The Bible says this, they shall know we are Christians by our love. So, in other words, in this, this is not just regular human love. There's different words for love in the Bible. This is God's love. This is the special kind of love that only the Holy Spirit of God can produce in us. It sets us apart from every other people group in the world. Only Christians, only those who know Christ have this supernatural love. So, out in this world, if people are going to say, you know, that person is different. You know how they're going to know that? Through God's supernatural love in you. <clears throat> that might be shown in what you do in service for somebody else. If you've got uh, gifts of service and that's kind of how you're wired, uh, chances are you're going to show love by what you do for people. 
But it also might be through words of encouragement that you share with people. Uh, God can encourage us and use us in love in different ways. But the idea is that love primarily uh, puts others first. Okay? God first and then others. And uh, so we lay down voluntarily uh, what we prefer oftentimes for the sake of love, right? Um, if you're married, there will be times that you will, if you're going to stay married long, you will put down some of your own preferences for the sake of your spouse, right? That's what love is about. Uh, but God's love is especially that way. And so a Christian with no love. Now, John's writing to him. He said, look, if, if somebody is teaching doctrine in your church and they don't love people, you don't listen to them. That's what he's telling them. But he's also saying, look, this love is an evidence that you're abiding in Christ. So love helps us abide in Christ. Uh, sometimes we just need to know when we're not getting it right. By the way, did you know that's why God gave us the law? You say, well, I thought the law of God was written in our hearts. Yes, it is. It's written in our hearts. But the fact is, as Christians, we have God's law in our hearts, but I can have a seared conscience. I can rebel against God. I can live in a pattern of disobedience in my life to where I begin to stop hearing the convicting of God's Holy Spirit. And the law points out my sin in very clear terms. And says, buddy, you have missed the mark. You have sinned against God. Love does the same thing in terms of abiding in Christ. When that love is absent, it is God telling us something is not right in your spiritual life. What do you do? Well, first of all, confess it to God. Say, Lord, I'm not loving people the way I need to love them. Let's face it, all of us struggle with this from time to time, right? Uh, I, I uh, have had times where I've had a, an incredibly difficult time loving somebody because I knew they hated me. Have you ever been in that position? You know somebody, they can't stand you. They hate your guts. I had to, this one guy, <laughs> I had this one guy, about, it wasn't here, it was my last church, he hated me so much, he wouldn't even look at me to walk past me on the sidewalk. I'd speak to him, he wouldn't say a thing. He'd, he'd go like that and he'd walk on by. And it's hard to love somebody like that. But that's what we're called to do as God's people. We're not called to get even. I don't get mad, I get even. No, we're called to love our brother. Jesus said, love your neighbor as yourself. Love your enemies. This is what we're called to do. And you can only truly do this in the way that God desires through the power of the Holy Spirit. And when you're doing that, it is evidence that you are abiding in Christ. Let me just say one other word about this. There are uh, certain divisions of the body of Christ that would say, you know, if you don't have this gift, you're not living in the way you should as a Christian. Uh, or some would say you're not even saved. If, you don't, if you're not doing this, you're not even saved. That's not what God's Word says. God's Word says 
Love is the indicator of abiding in Christ. Love is the indicator of the filling of the Holy Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is love. The first fruit of the Spirit is love. So it helps us abide in Christ, just like that indicator light. Uh, and then, uh, how else are we helped by love? Well, not only does it help us abide in Christ, it helps us prepare for heaven. Now, obviously, Jesus Christ is the only one that's going to get you there, okay? That's not what we're talking about. We're not talking about salvation here. But love is an evidence that you know Christ. God's supernatural love in you is something that will increase your assurance if you know Christ. I mean, we, we put our first confidence in the Word of God that cannot fail. When God gives us a promise, we can take it to the bank. We put our confidence in the Word of God. But I want to tell you something. Once you begin to learn to walk in love, you've got additional assurance. Why? Because you know the change He's made in your heart. It's being lived out in your life. Other people will notice the difference. Um, and so, um, so it helps us with assurance, but I think it helps us even more. Look at verse 17. He says, In this love is made complete with us, so that we may have confidence in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. So it's kind of like a little boy that looks like his daddy. You know, hey, I can tell uh, who you belong to. You, you look like your daddy. And uh, that's kind of what he's talking about here. But um, confidence in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we. We also have confidence in the day of judgment because God will reward us for the things that we do for him. Right? So as we live in his character, in his love, and as we're doing for others, the Bible says if you give a cup of water uh, that you won't lose your reward. Give a cup of water in his name. So we're receiving these rewards. Now, suppose you're a football star. Okay? I mean, you are the guy that you run eight touchdowns a game. And the awards banquet comes up. I can tell you something. You're pretty confident going to that awards banquet. Because you know, I ran eight touchdowns every game. If anybody's getting a reward, it's me. Right? Listen, if you walk in love, I want to tell you, you've got a confidence when you go to heaven. Because you're going to receive a great reward. Is that going to be exciting? I, I, I don't know what all that's going to entail. I mean, uh, gold is so common you walk on it in heaven. So uh, what's the reward going to be? I don't know, but it's going to be great. There are going to be crowns. There's, there's other things. But I, I think some of those rewards, we may never, I mean, God probably, if he told us about it, we wouldn't know what he's talking about. But it's going to be amazing. So love helps us prepare for heaven. As we walk in love, Jesus said, inasmuch as you've done it unto one of the least of these, my brethren, you've done it to me. You love that person in prison, and you go and visit them. You love that person that's hungry, and you give them something to eat. You love that person who doesn't have shelter or clothing, and you provide some clothing for them. If you've done it to the least of these, you've done it to me. There are certain people that make a profound impact on your life. And 
because of their love for you and what they've done for you. And uh, you think, you know, I want to see good things happen for that person. I mean, Paul even talks about that. You remember when he was talking about the offering uh, in uh, the offering for Jerusalem? He says, uh, your brothers are going to thank God and praise God because of you, because of what you've done for them. And he said, Lord, bless so-and-so for the good things that they've done. Um, listen, you think Jesus is not going to do that for us? I think Jesus is eager and excited about passing out rewards in heaven to his people. Now, he's ultimately the one who's worthy of it all because of what he has done. Nothing can compare to what he has done. And that's why we'll cast our crowns at his feet. But, uh, but it is going to be some kind of a blessing. And as we walk in love, God's love is translated to action. Okay, A lot of times uh, we think of love mainly as an emotion, right? What we feel. But in God's word, really, uh, love is more about what we do. It's what we choose. Um, and so, uh, we, as we love people, we do things for them, or we encourage them, or we are patient with them. And we, it's, it's measured in actions that we do towards other people. Now, it comes from the Holy Spirit. He produces it in us. And oftentimes, as we serve people, then God changes our hearts. I heard somebody say... Um, if you're going to love your enemies, you need to start by just taking the first step. In other words, don't wait till you feel like it or you'll never do it. You take that first step of being kind to that person or doing good to that person or praying for that person, and then God will begin to change your heart. Um, so, uh, preparing for heaven. And by the way, isn't that what God has done for us He's loved us when we were his enemies. That's what the Bible says. We were God's enemies, but God has reconciled us to himself through the blood of Christ. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Listen, I was God's enemy. I wasn't thinking about God, but he was thinking about me. Praise God. That God doesn't wait till we get our act together to try to draw us to Christ. He saves sinners. That's why we're called to love. And as we love these people, God will reward us. And we will be even more prepared for heaven. Uh, these doomsday preppers. Uh, uh, David had a little friend uh, when he was in elementary school. And we went to a party a uh, birthday party of one of his little friends. And uh, I went down into this guy. He had a bunker. And I mean, there's every kind of automatic weapon, every kind of ammo that you could imagine. I mean, that place was a fortress. I thought, I'm going to his house if everything goes, you know, in a handbasket. I'm going to his house. And, uh, but uh, he was prepared. But I want to tell you something. As a child of God, as you love people, as you serve people, as you do good for people, as you give, and all of these things, God will reward you. And you'll be prepared for that day. Hallelujah.
All right. So, God's love, how does it help us? Well, first of all, it helps us abide in Christ. Secondly, it prepares us for heaven. Thirdly, it helps us relate to others. Helps us relate to others. If you look in chapter 5 and verse 2, he says, This is how we know that we love God's children. We are politically correct. Is that what it says? This is how we know we love God's children when we agree with, with the person that's talking to us. It's not what it says. This is how we know that we love God's children when we love God and obey His commands. Isn't that simple? Listen, I'm glad. There's so many opinions out there. Listen, I want to tell you something. I'm not going to lose sleep over everybody's opinion. Praise God I don't have to live in the bondage of trying to please people. Life is simple. I, I love what it, Scripture says elsewhere. This is love God. It's, it's actually in Ecclesiastes. Love God and keep his commandments. This is the whole duty of man. Isn't that simple? So Jesus is the best example of this. He loved God perfectly, and he always did what? Please the Lord. And he says, uh, I do nothing but what my father tells me to do. Did Jesus make people mad? Yes, he did. Uh, matter of fact, the scripture says that he, he went to church. He made a bunch of people mad at church. He went to the synagogue and he knew that they had put this guy with a withered hand right in the center of the synagogue where everybody would see what was happening. So that they could accuse Jesus if he healed him. So what does Jesus do? He walks up to him and heals him. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> he, he wasn't concerned in the least of what they thought. Love for that individual man was more important to Jesus than the opinions of people. Jesus loved people enough to tell them the truth. The Pharisees and Sadducees and so forth who were uh, self-righteous. And Jesus said, you're whitewashed tombs. You, you look good on the outside, but on the inside you're full of death. You need to repent and be saved. Uh, so he was willing to tell people the truth. And if it made them mad, so be it. He told them the truth. You know, the people that do you the best good are the people that tell you the truth in love. Those people will truly help you grow as an individual in life. <clears throat> There's people in our culture that don't want to hear the truth. They, they hate the scripture. They hate God's word. They just assume that the, the Bibles would be burned just like they were in Hitler's day. They don't want to hear it. They, they don't want somebody telling them what God's truth says. Listen, I'm going to speak it by God's grace. I remember I told I told my kids this was years ago. Uh, we were driving past the courthouse in Texas, and and there was a, a bail bondsman place out there. And I said, "You guys might have to go down there one day to get me out of jail." So, uh, but Jesus, he wasn't shy about telling the truth. Now he did so in love, and we are commanded to do it with love and respect. But we're to speak the truth now. Um, 
love God and obey His commands. Love God is first. The chief loyalty of our lives, the chief commitment of our lives, the chief relationship of our lives is our relationship with God. What pleases God comes first. Um, Years ago, I heard about a little kindergarten boy who was praying over his meal at lunchtime. And they told him to stop. And I love it. He refused to stop. (laughs) He'd go to honor Jesus. Five years old. Man, I, I know some adults that wouldn't do that. Listen, I want to tell you something. There's something to be said to stand for Christ, to put him first in your life. This little boy was expelled from school because they didn't like the fact that he was praying over his meal. He's putting Jesus first. Jesus needs to be first over family. Well, my family doesn't think I ought to serve God. They don't think I ought to spend time. Well, love your family. Be kind to them, but do what God tells you to do. Love for God should come before political affiliation. God should be first. Now, if you've got an argument with that, your argument is with God, it's not with me. We ought to pray and seek the will of God at the ballot box. We ought to seek to honor God and what we do in a vote. The relationship that we have with God should be stronger than relationships with friends. In other words, put God first above what our friends want us to do. Did you know this is what kept me from coming to Christ for a year? I knew God had touched my heart. I knew he convicted me of sin. I knew I was wrestling with it. I I knew I needed to surrender to Christ. But I thought, what are my friends going to think? A lot of people keep, they, they are captive to their friends. Put God first. Listen, I want to tell you something. When I finally surrendered to Christ and put him first in my life, life began. Uh, what, uh, what a great blessing. So, love God, obey his commands. So, I'm not trying to please everybody, but I am trying to please God. And I'm obeying what he has told me to do. Now, the Holy Spirit will lead me in my life. Uh, God's word will show me when I get off track and I adjust my life back to his word. But this is the truth. I want to tell you something. About 85 to 90% or probably higher of what you see on television is a lie. Don't base your life on what the culture is saying. Base your life on the truth of God's Word. So, it will help you relate to others. How does it help you relate to others? It helps you to be balanced in how you live. Some people live in fear. 
Some, some people live, I mean, they hurt everybody they come across. They're just like a bull in a china cabinet. They say, well, I, speak my, I pride myself on speaking my mind, and they do. They speak their mind to everybody, and they don't have tact, and they don't have love, and they hurt people's feelings, and they bring uh, heartache everywhere they go. But some people are afraid to say anything. How do you live a balanced life in your relationships with others? Love God. Keep His commands. This is the whole duty of man. So, we're helped by love. How are we helped? It helps us abide in Christ. It helps us prepare for heaven. It helps us relate to others. It helps motivate for service. I love this. Look at verse 3 of chapter 5. It says, this is what the love of, for God is. To keep his commands, and his commands are not a burden. His commands are not a burden. We're not under law, by the way. We're under grace. Hallelujah. Praise God for that. Um, I, don't, I don't actually have God love me more when I do better in my Christian life or love me less when I don't do as well. He loves me the same. It's an unconditional love that is secured for me by the perfect life of Christ and the substitutionary death of Christ at the cross for my sin. Okay? So that love is constant. Um, but to love God and keep his commands, and his commands are not a burden. This is what Jesus made possible by changing our hearts with, the, with a new birth. This new covenant, God changes our hearts, he gives us the Holy Spirit, and then as we walk in the filling of the Holy Spirit, we live out the character of Christ in a perfect way. You say, well, none of us are perfect. Yeah, none of us are perfect, that's right. But as we're walking in the Spirit, and the Spirit is living through us, there can be chunks of time or seasons of time. Now, I'm not saying they're, they're long for me, okay? I fail all the time, just to be honest with you, okay? But it is true, as we walk in the Spirit, we can do that in a way that pleases God. But listen, if your service has become a burden to you, you need to restoke your love for God. The best example I know of this is the woman with the jar of perfume. You remember that story? Um, I like, you know, there may have been a couple of different, different ladies that did something similar. I, you know, there's some debate about that with the scholars. But I like the particular one that, uh, where, where the Pharisee is looking down his nose. You don't know who this woman is. Why are you letting her touch you? Do you know what she's done? Jesus. You're supposed to be a man of God. Why would you let this woman even come near you? And Jesus said, you didn't offer me water to wash my feet when I came here. You didn't kiss, kiss my cheek as they did in the Eastern culture when I came in here. This woman hasn't quit kissing me, kissing my feet. Okay. Uh, he who has forgiven much loves much you see this woman knew what it meant to love Christ and so she took she, she, she got acquainted with grace by the way that's one thing that you could do that will revitalize your Christian walk do a study on redemption and grace buy you one of those books like uh, John Stott's book The Atonement 
or uh, uh, Leon Morris, I think, has one also called The Atonement. And study what, what the Bible says Jesus did for us at the cross. And study the grace of God. Read some things about the grace of God. I'm going to tell you something. It'll set you free. It'll set your heart on fire. When you understand the grace of God, where sin abounded, there did grace much more abound. This woman, she got the t-shirt on grace. She had done so much sin. Everybody knew about it. She had a bad reputation in town. But in one moment, she put her faith in Jesus, and he cleansed her soul, and it was all white. She took God at his word. Come, let us reason together, though your sin be as scarlet, it shall be as white as snow. And because of the change that Christ had brought in her life and the forgiveness that she had received, her heart was just overcome with gratitude, and the tears were flowing down her face. And she took this bottle of perfume worth a year's wages, and she broke it, and she poured it over his head. And she poured it on his feet, and she's crying, and tears are just falling on the feet of Jesus. And she's wiping his dirty feet with her hair. Is there something I can do for this man who's done so much for me? That's what love will do for you. When you understand the love of God for you, And what he has done for you. Then you'll be able to serve God. And it won't be a burden. It'll be a delight. And a joy. Um, Love helps us motivate for service. Now some of us. You you may have gone through burnout in your Christian walk. If you've been a Christian for a while. Um. Sometimes people get a romantic idea of service in the, in the church. And they think, well, you know, if I serve God in church, uh, the uh, music is going to begin to play as I come into church, you know. And, and uh, everybody's going to smile at me and say, blessed are you, brother. Blessed are you, sister. Um, when the reality is, a lot of times people take you for granted. And they criticize you. And so forth. And, and it's easy to get... Burnout, it's easy to kind of get out of, uh, you know, I'm just doing this, I'm going, I'm kind of in a grind and I'm in a routine and, uh, you know. And sometimes we just need to have our fire restoked. But you know what God will do? God will restoke your fire. Uh, as you come to Him and you confess, say, Lord, you know, here I, I am, uh, I am burnt out, I'm struggling, my heart's not in it. Refresh me. Revitalize me, set me afire uh, once again, and, uh, and, and let the love of God motivate you to serve. And listen, uh, we all, I believe the uh, Bible says perfect love casts out fear. We just read that scripture here a moment ago, and it is true that we don't have to fear the eternal punishment of God as his children. But there is a sense in which the fear of God is the reality in our lives, right? I mean, because God's our Father, and He disciplines us out of love, not giving us what we deserve, but to correct us and bring us back into line. Uh, but uh, but I, I'm just, I'm grateful 
that, uh, that, that God is with us in the sense that we, we don't have to serve just out of fear of God's discipline. We can serve out of a heart of love. And that's the best way to do it. And when you serve out of a heart of, of love and you're being obedient to God in your service to God, that service can become a joy. Because whatever it is you're doing, it doesn't really matter what the, the particular service is. Uh, it might be a service of prayer, intercessory prayer for others. It might be a service of encouragement or of uh, just acts of service, uh, whatever the case may be. Whatever it is you're doing, you're doing it for the one who's done so much for you. And that will bring motivation to your service. Helped by love, how does it help us? It helps us abide in Christ, prepare for heaven, relate to others, and motivate for service. Uh, this is the love of God. And uh, I'm so glad that we don't have to be overcome by evil in this world. What did Jesus say? In this world, you will have trouble. But take heart. I have overcome the world. So we serve the one who's overcome. He has overcome. He will overcome. And he's coming back. But the Bible says this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. Uh, as we trust God and as we walk in love, we'll overcome. What did Joseph say? You remember? Joseph, his own brother sold him out. Sold him to slavery. Went down, falsely accused by Potiphar's wife. Put in prison. If anybody had a right to be bitter, it was Joseph. But he, did, he, he, he didn't go that route. What does he say? His brothers come before him. He says, ah, buddy, now it's come the time. It's all coming around. And you're here before me, and you're in my power, and you have no, no idea the, the trouble and heartache I'm going to bring to your life. He didn't say that, did he? He said, don't take this to heart. You meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. Don't you let this world discourage you. Don't you let this world get your eyes off of Jesus and steal your joy. We serve the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He is in charge, ultimately, and he is coming again. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the help, Lord. And not only do you give us the ability to love, but Lord, you help us.